1: 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse number 9. Again, we're in a, we're in a message uh, series called Amen. Uh, my two-year-old grandson, almost, almost two, this is how he prays. This is the extent of his prayer, amen. So even a two-year-old says the word amen. But the problem is most of us are not real sure why we say that and why when somebody agrees with something in church, they say amen. amen. See, that's why I like this series, because you all have to say all right, But uh, the reality is this, that word, is powerful as it is, we don't get all of it because we don't understand what we're saying. And there's a lot of things in church that we don't understand because we're not speaking the same language all the time. Now, I've learned that, that sometimes uh, learning another language is hard. I was trying my best to begin to become fluent in Spanish a few years ago, and, and I'll just tell you, I am not fluent in Spanish. I, I feel like I have a, a fairly solid understanding of Spanglish. But one time Pastor Fernando and I were riding down the road and our missionary from Peru was sitting in the back seat of my my truck and we're riding down the road and Pastor Fernando and I are talking in what I think is Spanish and 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 we're just going you know just communicating with each other and the and John in the back seat just starts laughing his head off and I was like what's what's so funny back there I thought man he's he's been in the jungles of the Amazon too long you know he said he said Well, I'll tell you what's so funny. He said, neither one of you are speaking any language, but you understand each other perfectly. (laughs) Amen. And so I realized we had developed our own way to communicate, very much like a marriage. How many of you have understood that, that, that you better learn how to speak each other's language? You know, sort of like when your wife comes into the house and you say, hey, honey, how's your day? And she says, fine. Can I tell you how to interpret that? be quiet and start walking, (laughs) all right? Or sit there and don't try to fix it. But in those moments, we're trying to figure out how to communicate, and we've forgotten how to communicate the power of the gospel because we talk in these really big church words that the people of the world don't understand. And so 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 9 reads like this. It says, it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand... How will they know what you're saying? Interesting. You might as well be talking into empty space. Interesting. So if I'm talking in words that you're not going to get, I might as well be talking into empty space. Now, I understand that Paul is writing to the church at a place called Corinth here, and he's talking about a specific gift, the gift of speaking in tongues. But as the Lord brought me to this passage, I think it also works with what we're trying to talk about because some of us are speaking a different tongue or a different language than many people that we do life with. But today, I want to talk to you about some things that are very important, these words that we use that, that people don't understand. I really believe that, that we need to figure out what church is about and how to communicate it to the world. That's how people are going to get saved. Somebody once asked me, are you ever going to be satisfied? I mean, Warhill has six services every weekend. Are you not satisfied yet? I said, I will not be satisfied until it is impossible to go to hell from North Georgia, okay? That's how I feel about it. We're going to preach the gospel and create an atmosphere where nobody can go to hell if we can do anything about it. But at this time, there's an important that we learn to communicate. And when we come to God's house, it's not about what I can get, but it's about how I can worship God collectively, how we can challenge each other, and how we can serve. Because I want you to understand me very plainly. From the parking lots, to the nurseries, to the classrooms, to the ushers, to those running these special things, everybody has a part in every soul that's been saved in this church. We all do it together. Come on, let's give them all a hand today. But in this passage, we, we, we can't get on the same page because we end up doing something that I'm afraid many, many churches do and we've been guilty of. And I love the phrase that it uses here. It says, you speak into empty space. Because you speak into empty space when people disconnect from where you are and they start going into another world. Instead of the word of God, they need, they've got some bubbles that need attention. They've got some games that need to be won. They disconnect from where you are. Why? Because what's happening is if people don't understand what you're trying to say to them, they're going to disconnect. And so I know that many of you are saying, well, if they love Jesus, they just stay focused. How many of you have already worried about what you're going to have for lunch or are now worrying about what you're going to have for lunch? You see, we disconnect, we end up empty space, we end up out of of where we should be and we're not getting what God wants us because we really don't understand what I should be receiving. And there's a lot of words that that people don't understand, like amen, and we're going to call those words Christianese. And there's actually a list of words I want to give you now that they they ask people who don't go to church to tell us what words do Christians say that you don't understand. And here were actually the number one words, baby Christian, I just imagine Somebody rolling around with their Bible and diaper on. Come on now. <laughs> Old man, new man. Sounds like an aftershave commercial. Fruit of the Spirit. Is that like fruit of the loom? I'm just telling you what they said. Born again. I think that has to do with church. Backsliding. Is that like need a chiropractor thing? Non-Christian. You're labeling me? You see, they don't understand the words that we're using. And because they don't understand the words that we're using, we're not getting across our point. And the point is the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation scripture tells us. Okay. But I want to give you uh, several words really quick and, and we're going to show you how they don't really translate out of Christianese unless we do, unless we be purposeful. Here's the first word. Here we go. Exalt. Exalt. Now, exalt is a strong verb that means to hold in high regard or to speak highly of, okay? So when I say the word exalt, we sing that word. It's my favorite worship song of all, I exalt thee. And we sing it over and over again. And and, and the problem is not that we are using the word in the wrong context, but the problem is that word is really only used in church. Now, it means to hold someone in high regard, to speak very highly, to to lift someone up. And and most of us don't really use that word outside of church. I mean, you might love your neighbor, but when's the last time you walked up to your neighbor and said, I exalt thee. (laughs) They're not going to like you anymore if you do that. How about if you say words like this to your mother-in-law, oh, high and exalted one. She's either going to love you or hate you. Of course, she either loves you or hates you now, so it may not hurt that bad. But we don't use those kind of words. And because we don't use those words, people don't understand when we start seeing I exalt thee. So I'm just laying a foundation here to say that, that a better way to say that maybe could it be to say, I honor you. Or people say, well, let's exalt the name of the Lord together. They'll quote that. Could it be better if we said, let us lift up God's name by telling each other what he's done for us? Can I tell you how good the Lord's been to me? Can I tell you what God has done in my life, how he's changed my soul, how he's set me free, and how he's just said amen, apparently himself in this place. Amen. All right, let's go to the next word. I think that was move on, not Amen. The word here is bless, bless or blessed, okay? This word's origin is actually from the English word for blood, and it means to consecrate through sacrifice, okay? So the word blessed, we use this word very much in church. Many of you actually said to me, I said, how you doing? You said, well, pastor, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And so that word we use in church, we quote the scripture, I'm blessed to be a blessing, we ask how someone's doing, they respond with "bless." But have you ever noticed it's really only Christians who say that? You ask somebody else, how you doing, man? And they're like, we're doing good. How are things? Man, we're happy. Our family's good. People don't really use that term blessed that way. I'm not beating anybody up who uses it. I'm just telling you, laying a foundation for you that we're missing some words. This is really important. Because the miscommunication of this word comes in the shorthand. What I mean by that is when we say, well, I will bless the Lord, what we really are really saying according to the definitions of bless, which means to make or or decree, holy by decree, uh, or uh, to consecrate, to ask for divine favor, to make happy or to praise. What I'm really saying when I say let's bless the Lord, what I'm really saying is how can I please God? What can I do in my life that is pleasing unto God? And when I say, how are you, instead of responding blessed, I could say in a way the world could understand better, you know what, God has done more for me than I could have ever imagined. That's the same phrase, just not in shorthand. And when we say God bless you, it really doesn't mean excuse you because you sneezed. What if we said, may God somehow show you how much he cares for you today? You see, I'm translating it for you, and it's important because we're about to get down to the words that we've lost the power of. Here's another word, glory. I heard it earlier during that song. What do people say when they get excited in church and they feel it? They say, glory "Glory to God. You have to say it like T.D. Jakes to get it, okay? (laughs) Glory to God. And so when you say that, that actually there's two different meanings for the word glory. In the Old Testament, it meant the kabod or the heavy weight of God's presence. In the New Testament, it means shining light, splendor, honor. Here's the one I want you to see to show the truth or to praise. So when someone goes glory in church, let, we could translate that and say, wow, that's mind blowing. Look how awesome God is. And that's powerful. Okay. But I want you to notice something here about the definition that says to show the truth. How do you bring glory to God? Are you ready for this? By giving God a better position in your life. You see, God doesn't care how loud we can sing if he's not in the right place in our life. God doesn't care how loud we can shout and how big our amen is or how how flamboyant our glory is if God's not in the right place. Place in our life. The way you're going to give God glory, watch this, is when I give up something to give God the higher priority in my life. When I say that's not who I am anymore because of what God has done in my life, I'm going to give him the top priority. It shows others the truth about who God is. And when I start showing others the truth about who God is, it begins to show them that he is worthy and my sacrifice pales in comparison to how good he is. It's almost like sometimes when you have a testimony time, people start talking about what they gave up to serve God. And I want to just run up and slap them because they act like they were having a really good time before. And I'm like, how much fun did you have with your head stuck up over a toilet because you don't remember how much you drank last night? How much fun did you have when you woke up somewhere locked up because you were driving in a way that you shouldn't have been? How much fun do you have when you said something you wouldn't have said if you hadn't had something in your system? Now I'm just preaching truth. But when I start letting God get in the right position in my life and I start leaving all of that behind and people say, why are you not the same anymore? I can declare to you, I'm not the same anymore because I met a God who is great and I gave him the best place in my life. And because I gave him the better place, everything's changed. You see, it's to show the truth. When Jesus came, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, here's the truth. Jesus came to show us who God really was and is. And so his glory was the revelation of who God is and showing us how to put him first. People were able to see past religion and see God. Here quickly to the next word. I think I only have two more words, but these are important. Here's where we've been going this whole time. The word is grace, grace, which means gift. Grace, defined as gift, is further defined as two forms of what God does for us. Undeserved favor through Jesus, listen to me carefully, and unearned empowerment of God's presence. Undeserved favor through Christ and an unearned power to not be who you used to be anymore. Now, I feel what I'm about to say to you. The problem with this is because we don't know how to communicate it. I mean, the church preaches grace, preaches grace, preaches grace, but we don't know how to communicate it to the world. Grace has received a different definition nowadays. Grace no longer means undeserved favor and unearned empowerment. What it means, listen to me carefully, in this world today, grace now means let it slide. I'm preaching truth now. Thank God for grace. You go, on. Well, it doesn't mean let it slide. Let me, let me just say it to you this way. Somebody does something wrong and you say, well, I'm just going to let it slide. I'm giving you grace. Going to give you a little grace this time. Going to let it slide. You know? And if it doesn't mean let it slide, you know what also it means? It means when you owe a bill on the first, but you don't pay it to the tenth because you're still in the... Oh, you understand the definition. <laughs> I had somebody say to me one time, I wanted to get a new loan at our house, refinance loan. For one reason, I get paid on the first, and it's always trouble to try to get the payment in there in time before they t- suck it out and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah! And so I said, can I get it moved to the fifteenth? And they said, sure, you can get it moved to the fifteenth, no problem. So I was headed to the closing table, and I said, let me just confirm with you. You got it on the first? I mean, you got it on the fifteenth, not the first? And they said, no, pastor, all mortgages are on the first. I said, well, sorry, I'm not closing. And they said, excuse me? I said, I told you from day one. They said, no, 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 you don't understand, Pastor. It's due on the 1st, but you got grace. It can slide until the 15th. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. My granddaddy will get up out of his grave and beat me silly. Because you pay your bills on time. But see, that's where we've learned to live. Grace now has this, 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 this different approach a definition in our society, and I'm actually preaching, whether you know it or not, and I want you to get what I'm trying to say to you right now, is we define grace as let it slide. And so when we ask God for grace, what we're really saying is, God, don't get it out of my life, but would you just let it slide for now? God, I want you to set me free. It's sort of like this story in the Bible. It blows my mind. Could you imagine if you showed up at your home and there were frogs everywhere? I mean, like everywhere. Like if you open the Wheaties, there's frogs in the Wheaties. You open the refrigerator, there's frogs. You open your bed, there's it's full of frogs. There's frogs everywhere, and it's this plague upon Egypt. And, and Moses walks up and says, "God told me to to say, to say to you, you can decide when the frogs are gone, Pharaoh." And do you know what? You know what I would have said? Now, now these frogs need to be. I mean, I'm tired of being covered in frogs. He got one stuck to his face, one on his foot. I mean, there's frogs everywhere, and, and there's frogs. And you know what? You know what Pharaoh said? Tomorrow. I'm like, are you crazy? I want to deal with it now. But most of us, we know that what we're doing is wrong. But because of grace, we're just letting it slide. And we're going to keep doing it for a little while. Or maybe I just need to move on. Or I could be preaching what God told me to preach. Because God does not let us slide by long enough to get through. The reality is, grace finds us where we are. And if we will receive the work of grace, something we don't deserve and something we haven't earned, but God's grace will find us right where we are. And when we get tired of sliding by and dealing with that sin anymore, and we say, I don't deserve this, and I definitely haven't earned it, but God, would you give me a helping hand up? All of a sudden, the power of grace comes into your life. And as the power of grace comes into your life, you no longer are trying to deal with that sin anymore. All of a sudden, the victory of Christ comes into your life and he helps you deal with that sin, and you come to a new level. And I guess that brings us to our last word today, because I said the word, sin. Pastor, you can't preach about sin in church. Watch me. Sin. Sin, by definition, we've been talking about this for a few months, means what? To miss the mark that there's a standard I don't reach. There's a standard I don't hit. There's a mark I don't get to. And sin means to miss the mark. But our culture has tried to redefine what sin is. Our culture has tried to redefine sin into meaning your little secrets, your sins, your mistakes, your sins, how you messed up your sins. Now, sin is much more sinister than your little secrets. I mean, you don't know how little my secrets are. Well, maybe we ought to lose the word little. But the truth is, it's probably sin. Because what's done in secret is going to be heralded from the rooftops. See, sin means I've not lived up to the law, the standard. So what is a better interpretation of the word Sin. Now, I'm going to pick on the sheriff for just a moment for being here today. I thought this was uh, this god This I didn't know he was going to be here today. But one of the men in our church came to me and said, there's a man over there who's looking for you. And I said, describe him. And they described the sheriff. And he's looking for you. I thought, no, 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 no. He's not looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking for somebody else. <laughs> I said, what did you do? Come on now. But you see... Sin is better defined, listen to me carefully, it's going to change your view of this word because Christianese has diluted the the, the seed of sin. Ready for this? Sin is better defined as crime. Failure. Wow, none of us like to feel like a... Sin is better defined as crime or failure because the reality is, Our sins are crimes against God and others. I want you to get that. Our sins are crimes against God and others. We miss the standard of how we were supposed to treat them. We miss the standard of how we were supposed to honor Him. We miss the standard. And because we miss the standard, all of a sudden, we end up in this bad place. And we don't know why we feel so condemned, but that's the power of sin because it's killing us, it's destroying us. And if we try to treat it as something it's not, then it's going to stay poison in our lives. But the reality is this, we all have a rap sheet that makes us felons before God. I mean, no one minds admitting they're a sinner. We're all sinners, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? But it's not as easy to say you're a felon. I mean, think about that for a moment. If you're a felon, what happens when you fill out a job application? They'd ask you, have you ever committed a felony? felony? And you realize something while you're filling out that application. A matter of fact, you know it before you get there. What I did back then still affecting me today because I committed a crime, a felony, and I'm still paying for it today. See, most of us want our sins to be dealt with and God's grace to let us slide with them and we think that we're never going to have to deal with it. But until you get that sin dealt with and under the power of grace that deals with it now, you're going to have a harvest coming from that sin. So Some of you just thought I was going to be nice today. You see, we can say, oh, it was just a little lie. But it's hard to say it's just a little crime. Because let me just try you. Because if you do the crime, you have to do the, oh, you know. You see, so instead of praying, I am a sinner, Lord, please let me slide with this. So that's really how God asked me one time. I was repenting for a sin in my life that kept reoccurring in my life. And God said to me, are you asking me to accept it or you want to be done with it? And so instead of praying I am a sinner, maybe I ought to say I'm a criminal who has committed a crime. See, now a lot of people who will tell you they're a criminal, committed a crime, but nobody's ever really guilty. But when I say I'm a criminal who has committed a crime and I deserve to do the time because I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Some of you are going, Pastor Don, you're picking on felons. Let me just make it real plain to you. I'm talking to everyone in the room because if I quote the scripture the way we're quoting it, translating it through the Christianese translator, for all are criminals and have fallen short of the standard of God. Everybody here is a criminal. But here's the beauty of it. It's the lack of translation that prevents the victory. Because when I get honest with God and I say, I'm a criminal... Focus with me really carefully. I'm a criminal. I've committed a crime. It wasn't just a little sin. It wasn't just a little slip up, and I just didn't stumble. I committed a crime, but I broke the law of God. And when I say these words, I am guilty. Forgive me. Can I tell you what happens then? When I go from confessing my guilt and asking for his forgiveness, then grace steps in and grace says, you may have done the crime, but Jesus did your time on a cross and he settled the measure for you. I want you to stand with me in this place today. The service is a thing of the past in just moments. You see, there's always gonna be a learning curve between people who know the gospel and those who don't, those who are listening, those who are watching. Don't, don't stay away from God's house because you don't understand the language. We, we're trying to figure that out. But listen to me. There's gonna be between what the Bible says there are new people that are just hearing and those who should be mature. There's always going to be a, a difference there, but it's our job to redefine those things, to help them understand what God's trying to say in our culture today. And so I want you to see that list of words. We just went over one last time. Would you do me a favor and read those with me now as we prepare to close. Here we go. Exalt, bless, glory, grace, sin. Let me tell you this. Exalt, I want to honor God with my life. I believe there's some people here who would say that. How many want to honor God with your life? Yeah. I want you you just go ahead and bow your heads now. Bless. I want to live in such a way that God is pleased. If that's you, let me see your hand. Yeah, it's 99% of the room. Glory. I want to give God the right position in my life. Where are you? How many want to give God the right position? See, these hands are going up. Now look, let me just say, I'm not embarrassed. One person has put their hands in the air and I'm not going to embarrass anybody else. Let's talk about grace and sin for a moment. I'm going to stop asking God to let me slide by like I am. And I'm going to accept my new position that I have been given because of Christ's sacrifice. I'm tired of asking God. See, it's going to cut down the number. but Let me see your hands already going up. Wow. There you go. Put those down. Now, this is going to be fewer this time. But anyone is welcome. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I'm a criminal. I'm a criminal who is guilty of sin. But I have been pardoned by God. Let me see your hand That's this, you too. Praise God. Because here's the fact. If you've been pardoned by God, your rights have been restored. And your future is sealed because of Christ. But not everybody raised their hand when I said that. Not everybody watching was able to say and respond at that moment. Not everybody listening was able to say and respond at that moment that I, I have been pardoned. And that's who I want to deal with right now. So I'm going to pray for all of us. If we get a better definition, and we'll see the fact is now knowledge is power, and now you have the knowledge to overcome these areas. There's nobody looking around and everybody praying, I didn't embarrass anybody else, and I'm not gonna embarrass you. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I am a criminal, I have committed a sin, I have broken the law of God, and I have not surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and received his pardon. Accepted the fact that he did my time. You're not living under the pardon of Jesus that's called grace. Then today's the day we're going to change that right where you are. If that's you right now, I want you to feel just as comfortable as you did a moment ago with nobody looking around and everybody praying to say, This is my time. Hands already going up. Get them up. Get them up. Hold them up fast. One, two, three. Hold them up fast. Hold them up fast. Hold them. Where are you? Where are I? I'm waiting for you? Four. Thank you. Hold them up fast. Hold them up. Five, come on now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Six, seven. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. God's going to wash you clean by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. What I mean by that's a Christian ease. What that means is that that's how Jesus pardoned you. He paid the price with His blood so that you don't have to shed yours. Anybody else? Put your hands down. Anybody else? I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you just a moment more. Who will join with these? This is it. This is your time. This is your. I feel the Holy Spirit of God. Can I just tell you while you're praying? When God just spoke to my heart, He, the Bible says, that He endured your time on the cross with the joy of what was ahead of Him in His eyes. He didn't look at your crime and hold it against you. He looked past it. Instead, when they accept the fact I've done the time for them joy is going to happen because we're going to be united together those who have responded are about to settle their relationship with Jesus Christ those who are right where you are watching in your homes you're about to settle your relationship with Jesus Christ those that are listening you can settle your relationship with Jesus Christ but I'm looking for is there anyone else I just felt the Lord speaking that to my heart is there anybody who has not responded says this is my day this is my time I need to settle my relationship with Jesus Christ Don't, don't hold back put that hand up if you haven't already raised it where are you I'm waiting for you just a moment more. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to confess we're criminals and that we're guilty. And then we're going to accept His grace. Help me pray. All of us together. Everybody in this room. Jesus, Jesus. I confess, I, confess. I, am I am guilty of a crime. Of a crime. The, crime of the crime of failing. I have broken your commandments. I have not measured up, but now I confess that. And by faith, I believe as I accept that, I can receive your grace through Christ. Now I accept your love. I declare from this moment forward God is my Father. Heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father God, I thank you for those, many of these, prayed it for the very first time today. Some are coming home to you, and some now, by faith, the Word says the Holy Spirit is working in their life. And we thank you, Lord, that they receive, as we receive, a full pardon because of the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And their future is sealed in Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now, come on, give God some praise today.